Good evening, you're about to listen to the Odd Pod. We don't know why, however we are grateful you chose to. We do wish to inform you that the views, opinions and overall morality, do not necessarily reflect those of the station, sponsors or musical entities. If you should choose to continue, and we sincerely hope that you do. Just know, we try to advise you against these actions and we are not responsible for any damage done to your sanity, morals or ideals. Thank you, here comes that terrible siren. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. from uh, Tucson, Arizona. Yeah, I got a question. Uh, why people these days are so freaking stupid? And why do I have to fall into the social media trap? That's just my question of the day. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to The Odd Pod on tapdetroit.com. I'm your host, Odd, and in the studio with me tonight is my good friend, Nice Guy Mike. Say, Hello. And uh, Mr. Robbins. Hello. All right, so tonight we have another one of our uh, co- uh, conversations where we are picking a topic and we're going to run with it. But that call that just played uh, came into the uh, Fun Time Hotline uh, yesterday, I think it was. So I figured I'd throw it in and, and just quickly answer the question. One, why are people so freaking stupid? They're not. So here's the thing. Um, this is something that I actually tried to get across to a friend of mine the other day is that there is a, a, a big difference in my head between stupid or uh, be, uh, stupidity and ignorance. Stupidity can't be helped. Ignorance is willful. I will never fault someone for being stupid, but I will always fault them for being ignorant. Now, that answers that question. Why are people so stupid these days? They're not stupid. They're just ignorant. There's so much information out there. There's too much information, honestly, in, in some things. So you don't know what's what's true and what's not anymore. So people are in so many different directions. So that's why they seem stupid to you. I think it's more ignorance, not necessarily stupidity. Now, the second question that you ask, why do you keep falling into the social media trap? That's on you, bud. Um, it's designed that way. I, I'll tell you that. And, you know, it's, it's easy. It's in our pocket it's it's wherever we go uh you know you go take a shit you got 15 minutes where you're scrolling your phone you know you've got no choice well you do have a choice you can make that choice to unplug and step away social media is designed to keep us coming back it's it's why our feeds are aggregated the way they are they're they're on our interests um the more people you interact with the more varied your social media feed is so you keep falling into the social media trap due to your own devices honestly it's 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 you so if you want to get away from it unplug turn it off walk away go outside that's simple find something else to do with your time walk a dog something anything 
Uh, I want to say hello to our chatters in the chat room right now. We have uh, Mr. Brown. How you doing, Mr. Brown? We've got Hootis, which is our complaint department. So if you have an issue with anything that you hear tonight, make sure you send it to Hootis at Tap Detroit. And we also have a new person in the chat room. His name is Lenny Hunt. Um, he actually runs a podcast of his own, and it is called Pint Good Beer. And uh, actually, no, that's that's not right. Hold on. Nope, I had it here. I wrote it down. I swear I wrote it down. And now I'm trying to find it. I'm an idiot. But anyways, Lenny is from a different podcast. Uh, it's called Mr. the Mr. Good Beer Podcast. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify. Um, he actually messaged me the other day and said that he really enjoyed our show and was interested if I would be willing to check his out. And I do like his. It is a short-form podcast, so each episode is about three to seven minutes long, and they, they it's, it's like three buddies having a beer talking about uh, whatever happens to come up during that session of drinking. So if you want, by all means, please go check out Mr. Good Beer podcast. Uh, I, I'll even be nice and put a link with it when we post this show. But anyways, Lenny, thank you for joining us tonight. I see you in there. And to everyone else who's listening and not in the chat room, uh, thank you. This should be an interesting show. Now that we've gotten that taken care of, we're talking veganism tonight. Veganism, vegetarianism, carnism, um, and and even eating bugs. Because, so, Mikey, nice guy Mike, how long have you been uh, vegan? Since April 1st, 2013. Okay. That's serious. When you know the exact date, that is serious. Well, <laughs> April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. Everyone As a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> Everyone thought it was a joke. It was going to be for 30 days. It was going to be for 30 days, and I felt so good, I just kept going and going and going. Hey, but there's nothing wrong with that. If you saw, yeah, if you saw changes in results, that's that's perfectly fine. That's why people make changes in their life, which you did because you dropped a shit ton of weight. Yeah, and that's another issue as far as is veganism healthy. When I started in 2013, there was no cookies that I wanted to eat. There was no ice cream that I craved. There weren't an impossible bur- an impossible burger, uh, Beyond Meat. Uh, there wasn't none of that. It was a black bean burger which tastes like beans. But now I can have an impossible Whopper, and it tastes to me like a Whopper. Yeah. And I have gained a substantial amount of weight back, but that's a different issue, I guess. That comes with any diet, though, or or change. You can go on a diet and lose weight, but then eventually... It creeps back. It creeps back. I, I lost, believe it or not, 120 pounds, and... It's creeped back, so I mean, don't put yourself down. I was in the same boat around, I I could probably claim 150 pounds, and everyone said I looked too thin. Anyways, I went up, started slow, a a slow ascend, but again, it was very hard in the beginning when I started veganism to eat 5,000 calories of lentils and spinach and the thing quinoa things that i had never eaten before that my world was you know and vegetables just in general go ahead and try to eat seven apples you're just not going to do it but put a bag of uh a bag of chips in front of me uh salt vinegar lay salt vinegar chips 
the whole bag is gone in one sitting. That's twelve, fifteen hundred calories wasted. Wasted. Yeah. So yep. that's where it, that the weight gain is a little. And you know what? I'll be honest with everyone too. About five or so years ago, I too went on a diet and lost about two hundred and thirty pounds. My divorce was final. I got that one. <laughs> see, see, this is what we do. But I didn't even want to go there. <laughs> My weight loss was true weight loss. <laughs> so was mine. <laughs> Just not yours. Wow. <laughs> now, and, and coming back to what, what you said about when you lost 150 pounds, um, I don't know if Odd remembers this, but I had actually come over here one time when I lost all that weight, and he looked at me. Like, he was scared for me because I had lost so much weight. Yeah. I believe he thought I had cancer or something and was dying. Well, if it People hadn't been... Had asked me that, too, it, if I was sick. If it hadn't been for Nice Guy Mike, um, you know, chronicling his journey, like, not only on Facebook at the time, but also, like, talking to me about it. Because Mikey and I, we've been friends for, for quite a while. Uh, we've worked together because of the, the bar that he used to manage and, and whatnot. If it hadn't have been for the fact that he had been telling me about it throughout the, the, the course, when I saw him again, I probably would have been as nervous, too. But I knew what he was doing, and I knew why he looked real thin. He right. didn't – he looked good. But I do agree with a few people, you did look a little too thin. But then again, that's hard to measure because if we're used to seeing someone heavy, mm-hmm. that when they do drop substantial weight, our immediate reaction is, oh, there's there's something wrong. Yeah. For about a year or more, Kevin Smith looked just horrible to me, and now he looks normal. It's like he's got some of... Something back in the stretch. He looks, he's thin, and then he, he hasn't gained, you know, he looks a lot better now to me. He looked so sick before when he lost so much so fast. Well, that was because he had the heart attack, and it scared the living shit out of him, which it should. And, but why do you have to wait, you know, when we're talking about, why do you have to wait for that? Because some people need that, that grand wake-up call. That's just, that's But again, that's why everybody. do you have to wait versus... Why did you make the choice? Because of the diabetes, I think. Well, because... a grand wake-up call. Mm. I'll tell you. No, what. I just didn't want. I started watching a lot of documentaries, and again, I like what you said in your opening about too much information in this world now, because there wasn't like that. I always say this, and in the seventies, and even when I was a kid, Walter Cronkite, Walter Cronkite, Cronkite came on. And he told you something, and that was it. Journalism. That was the news. There was no other other side of the news. There was that's what happened in the day. And you, here are the facts. Do with with him what you it. will. Even if he was flat out lying to you, you didn't you didn't question it. And now um, I was watching documentaries, and it just turned into a lot of thing. And it and it and something we just watched tonight. But I. I started with the fact of what they're doing to the food system with the steroids, hormones, and growth hormones and antibiotics into the animals. I didn't want that. I didn't want to be part of that, I guess you could say. And my whole goal wasn't to be vegan. My goal was, similar to what Odd had said earlier, was to get my own farm, raise my own food, mm-hmm. and I was going to raise the animals animals. 
as well. And I was going to make sure they didn't have any hormones and no growth hormones and steroids. They died, they died. Um, but then I started thinking to myself, wait a minute, I'm not going to slaughter them and I don't want to send them out to be slaughtered. See, so it opened up a whole new thing. Yeah, see, our, our food system is just jacked. I mean, really, it is. The government... And I, I don't want to start conspiracies tonight. You know why that we do this normally. All right, so you know, the <laughs> government has has put such a hold on us being able to raise and grow our own food that um it's it's ridiculous. And I think hopefully after tonight, between the two of us, because I eat meat, you do not, we can have a discussion to where hopefully you know people will stand up and say, look, you know what, I want at least. To be able to have chickens or something for the eggs. You know, there's just so much information, I think, that can come out tonight through this discussion that's going to be good for everybody. And for those that are wondering, I'm in the middle, okay? So, uh, Mr. Robbins is a meat eater. Nice guy Mike is a, a vegan. I'm somewhere in the middle. And I, I think that's that might be a little more realistic of a goal for us as a society, at least for now. Um, I don't see a problem, honestly, moving forward uh, into the future where we are less dependent on uh, animals as our food source. And there are things that we'll talk about a little bit later tonight where there are options where we can go. Uh, whether or not people are comfortable with those right now, that's neither here nor there. It's just that the options do exist and will probably exist further down the line in a, a better um in a better way, I guess. Uh, By raising your own food, believe it or not, your own animals, um, whether it's chickens or if you have property with cows, pigs, by raising your own food, you have more control. And I think it's safe to say that you would be less dependent on them because you have control over what you use, what you don't use. And right now, as a society, we're just so used to going to the grocery store. We're lazy. Buying a pack of chicken breasts, and then where's the rest of the chicken? You know, a lot of these places, they just cut up the meat for what we want to purchase, and then the rest gets tossed. When you grow your own chickens or your own cows, if you have the space, you're responsible for using every single bit of that animal out of respect for its life that it lived and you're also responsible for them having a good life yeah well uh mikey heard me say it earlier um it's something that ollie and i have talked about quite a bit if we ever end up coming into a substantial amount of money my goal or my dream would be able to go out to somewhere like hillsdale county mm -hmm. or whatnot and get a plot of land with a nice little house on it and and raise chickens you know raise um food for ourselves so grow vegetables and stuff stuff that we want stuff that we're going to use can put away for winters and stuff when we can't uh grow uh if i had enough land i would rent off the grazing rights and make an agreement with you know possible farmer or whatnot and okay your animals can graze here but i want some of the beef when you you take the animals to slaughter etc yep. like that is my idea of the perfect life at this point is being as far 
not necessarily off the grid, but as self-sufficient as humanly possible. Like I'd put solar panels on the top of the house. I'd put a, a wind windmill or a wind turbine up to help generate some energy and whatnot. Like I don't necessarily at this point in my life want to be dependent on the government to give me shit anymore. Yeah, the problem is, and I know a few friends who have done exactly that. They've went out and they've went to the country, you know, northern Michigan and bought property 10, 15, 20, 30 acres. But even with having 30 acres, let's say, they still have to go by the city ordinances on how many animals they can have, which animals they can have. So the the government really, even local government, puts a hand hamstring on us as to what we can do. At that point, though, then I would go somewhere like down south, like back into Kentucky. Yeah. And they don't have near as many restrictions. They're, they just want you to take care of the land and the property that you have around, and that's it. That's yep. it. Uh, now, I know Mikey doesn't necessarily like the idea that there there should be a happy medium. To me, there isn't a medium. There isn't a medium on... Um, using the term humanely slaughter, it just—it's it, a different mindset that I have, um, and that's why reducing. I can see that I can I can push for that because it would be a great thing, but you know, it's just—it's just hard for me to put my head around how you know either you kill them or you don't. And that's fair. I understand that stance. I really do. You know, but you also have to understand America as a whole, there's no way in hell you're going to just flip a switch and everybody's going to be okay with it. I flipped a switch. Yeah, but you're an individual. We're talking people, not person. Yeah, but one person at a time. You know, I I get, I'm not in, I'm not really an advocate because I, I don't know if it's, I see that it's, like hitting your head up against the wall. People would have to come to you. You have to catch younger people. That you know, I know no different. I was brought up eating eating steak and hamburgers and chicken and knowing how how good or are we can we mention that documentary that we watched? Yeah, Meet Me Halfway is what we watched earlier. Yeah, we Meet Me Halfway. This one was very interesting. Um is a guy that's kind of advocating less eating less meat and um a lot a lot of interesting points in in the documentary and you know uh, somebody he interviewed was talking about food is about uh what do they say price taste and convenience and to go down to eastern market only on saturday to look for organic vegetables if it's raining, you know, I don't want to go versus you go to uh, Kroger and you buy a bag of apples. They don't have organic. You just buy regular apples. Doesn't but they matter. do taste like shit compared to the organic apples. They do. And the thing is with Easter Market, and I am not nar- knocking Easter Market. We've gone down there to buy vegetables. But there are a lot of documentaries out there of legit people going to markets like that, like farmer markets, Eastern Market, maybe not so much eastern market but those type of markets and they're finding that what's labeled as organic isn't and a lot of people don't realize that you have to purchase your food through the season so if you're going to eastern market at 
you know, in May. May. In yeah. May. And you pick up a bushel of tomatoes. Well, guess what? You're not getting tomatoes off of your vine in May if they're organic. So they're being shipped in from oh, somewhere. There's, there's, you could so have a greenhouse. People, so many people. You could have a greenhouse, but mm. the likelihood that that would be the case is very slim. Right. It's very, very slim. You probably know more than, than I because... <laughs> couple years ago in january the sun didn't shine for for 30 days Mm -hmm. you know so it doesn't matter if you have a greenhouse you keep it warm you're not going to grow you're not going to be able to grow much here in michigan you're not it's going to be it would be very hard to do what you were talking about getting a plot of land and, and getting your own food system because if you don't eat your animals for hard for me how am i going to make it through the growing season is so short here in Michigan, it is so short. So how am I going to can? I'm going to be eating what canned tomatoes from uh, December until May? No, you 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 actually have to build up to it. Yeah, you just can't purchase land and say, "Boom, I want to grow all my food for next year." Or this year, you, yeah, we're not right. we're not you, playing Farmville here. Where yeah, it grows in an hour. Well, no, no, but I know you'd have to can. But I'm just saying, even how hard that would be for somebody with my mindset in Michigan to do that in Tennessee, Florida, where it stays warm a lot, possibly do it. You know, so again, you know, you have. I know how it goes with the chickens and the a- laying eggs. You know, being correct, vegan, Tudis. Being ve- being vegan, I won't. I won't eat egg, you know. I won't. I won't. I won't eat an egg. Um, there's. Well, let's hold on. Let me give me a second. Let me explain to everybody the difference between veganism and vegetarianism because a lot of people don't understand the difference. So, vegetarianism is predominantly eating vegetables, but there are some animal products that they will still eat. They will typically eat fish. They will typically eat cheese. They will typically drink milk. Um, but the the rest of their diet is predominantly vegetables. Veganism, on the other hand, is all vegetables. You won't eat anything with a face. You don't eat any product or byproduct that comes from animals. Um, so that means no fish, no chicken, no leeway. You you if it didn't get produced by some type of plant, they won't eat it. Right. That that's right. No animal. No animal products. The face. The the eyes. The it's it's funny how people still don't get that. But then again, let's see. We we went how time goes by. We went that I've been vegan for eight years. So somewhere twelve years ago, I used to stand behind a bar and I heard some. I know what a vegetarian is. And a vegetarian, I'm not a hundred percent sure. But you know, there's all these ariums and isms. You know, they would eat, they would eat, they still eat dairy and eggs. Uh, fish, then you're, I always say, I can't pronounce these words, but fit, when you eat fish and egg, but you still don't eat pork or steak, you're called, it's like, presby, it's not Presbyterian, but it's no. something like that. It begins with a P. And you still eat seafood, which was another idea that I had after 30 days, April 1st, uh, 30 days would go by that I would go, I would eat seafood. I wasn't going to eat any red meat mm-hmm. ever again. I wasn't going to eat any pork. I was going to eat chicken and I was going to eat fish. So, was it health reasons that you won't eat the meat or was it the cruelty cruelty to animals 
that you wouldn't eat it. Where, if where's going, that line? If we're going, if, you know, I believe like, it was a combination, we, we, wasn't it? No, it was it was health at first. Mm-hmm. It was it was going to a, getting a physical, getting told that I was borderline type two diabetes. I was three hundred and thirty pounds. I was borderline type two diabetes. They want to put me on this medication. I think we we had started. We went off on a t- that I didn't want the the steroids. That was already in my mind. So now all of a sudden I'm against big pharma. Also, by thinking about these steroids and hormones and antibiotics that the food animals are given. So I've got to say, as as much as we depend on the big farm, and I never want to be in a position to talk bad about farmers because they are making a living, and without farmers... We wouldn't have food. Yeah, us as a society would not be able to eat. So I won't talk bad... About their business. But I agree with you on the situations on how the animals are raised and how, in some instances, how they're slaughtered. Um, now, you had mentioned um, how do you humanely dispatch of an animal? Um, there are many, many different ways to do it. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Right now, okay. so I want to give the history of vegetarianism. Because this is important. Because this is not something that is just cropped up within the last 20, 30, 40 years. Vegetarianism can be traced back to the uh, Indus Valley Civilization in 3300 to 1300 BCE in the uh, Indian subcontinent. Uh, The first verified term of vegetarian uh, was first used in 1839 to refer to what was previously described as a vegetable regimen or diet. Uh, earliest known written use is attributed to actress and writer and uh, abolitionist Fanny Kemble in her journal of a residence on a Georgian plantation, and that was in 1838 to 1839. But again, vegetarianism goes all the way back to uh, 3300 and 1300 BCE, um, mainly because you know meat was not a readily available substance at that point. Meat was reserved, and this was brought up in the documentary that we watched, and it's been brought up in many documentaries. Meat was reserved for the wealthy. The 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 serfs and the, the, the peasants and everything, they ate beans and, and slop and, and grains and bread, bread yeah. and, and whatever they could grow and keep for themselves that wasn't being taken by, you know, either the the government of the time or the kingdom or or whatever yeah back then we were scavengers yeah i mean we we ate whatever we could find you know as far as you know nuts and berries and beans and but early vegetarians included indian philosophers such as mahaveria uh akara uh kundankunda uh, and the tamil poet uh valuvar uh the indian emperors uh of changrupta uh, mariah and ashoka uh, Greek philosophers such as uh, Empedocles, uh, Therphrastus, uh, uh, Plotinus, uh, and others, uh, and the Roman poet Ovid, and the playwright Seneca the Younger. So we, we've we got a history here. Vegetarian established itself as a significant movement in the 19th century uh Uh, Britain and the United States. A minority of vegetarians avoided animal food 
entirely. In 1813, the poet Percy Bysshe Shelley published a vindication of natural diet advocating abstinence from animal food and spiritous liquors. In 1815, William Lambert, a London physician, stated that his water and vegetable diet could cure anything from tuberculosis to acne. Lamb called animal food a habitual irritation and argued that milk eating and flesh eating are but branches of a common system and they must stand or fall together. Sylvester Graham's meatless uh, Meatless Graham diet, mostly fruits, vegetables, water, and bread at home with stone ground flour, became popular as a health remedy in the 1830s in the United States. Several vegan communities were established around this time in Massachusetts. Uh, Amos Bronson Alcott, father of the novelist uh, Louisa May Alcott, opened a temple school in 1834 and Fruitlands in 1844. And in England, James Pierpont Greaves founded the Concordium, a vegan community at Alcott House and Ham Common in 1838. 1838? Yep. Well, see, I've looked back to try to find the history of veganism, not vegetarian. And maybe I did it wrong because I was going to say that vegetarian has been around for a long time. People still continue to eat eggs and milk, but vegan was fairly new but i guess i was wrong um i thought it was less than a hundred years that they came up with the term veganism where someone questioned why do you still eat the products of the the eggs and the cheese and the milk why do you still do that you're talking terminology versus practice so the practice has been around a lot longer practice but the terminology vegan is still fairly, fairly new. new. Yeah, and okay. it's it's 1944 it, by the way. It's become more publicized in the last 20 or 30 years because of animal rights activists and stuff, you know. Well, animal celebrities rights activists too. Yeah, celebrities. always will stand up. Animal rights See that that's a whole other subject. Animal rights people we were, you know, like part of this was supposed to be like maybe animal rescue and dog rescue that I'm into also, which which is a weird thing with my with me being vegan, which I could get into. But these people that will stand up for, you know, throwing, wanting to execute Michael Vick for what he did, Should for be. what he for what he did to dogs, for and what his people did to dogs. That mm-hmm. is a the, different... those, those people, the, those people are sitting down to steak dinners. But they want they want his head on on a stick. But they're sitting down to steak dinners when they don't realize what happens to that cow and how that cow was raised, so they can buy it for an affordable price. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say there's two different conversations you're having there. That was very disgusting as to what Michael Vick was doing with the with the dogs. Disgusting. I will never in my life given okay to that but when it comes to providing and putting food on the table we're on the same page to a certain point but it's our responsibility to stand up and say hey look i'm gonna go to a farmer who knows how to raise cows not a not the big the big agriculture that puts 30 cows in a or a 300 cows in a building 
3,000 cows. 3,000 cows. Built for 300. Yeah, and then, like you were talking earlier, putting a bolt through the brain that doesn't even kill them. No. That point I agree with, but, you know, comparing Michael Vick to surviving, two different things. One is completely disgusting. The other one, I think there's a way that you can do it, and... You can't. It's, right. I'm on. not saying you can't, but it's not sustainable. You then steak will be forty dollars a pound because you can't do it. You can't have dollar menus at at the McDonald's, raising them free range and letting them eat grass and humanely killing them. Then that's a point that I'm, I'm going to get into when we come back. We've got to go to our first break. Um, I do want to say we've got a brand new band this week. Um, we announced it through the page on Monday. We try to do new music Mondays when we have uh, new artists come on board. This one is actually a local um, Detroit artist or Detroit group. Uh, they're known as Leaving Lifted. They are a reggae rock band. I absolutely enjoyed them. Um, I found out that they were actually tied to another band that we play, the Chinchillionaires. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this. We got two of their songs coming up, and then we've got uh, the third song is from uh, Thank Frank, which is another new artist that we played last week. Uh, it is a punk band. Um, I, I I really enjoy finding new music, and uh, there will be links posted so you guys can get to them. I know Leaving Lifted has some shows in the area coming up. God forbid anything gets shut down and, and postponed. Uh, that's a completely different topic for a completely different time. Uh, but anyways, you're going to get two from Leaving Lifted. You're going to get Along for the Ride and Rose Honey. And then you're going to get Feed the Kids from Thank Frank. You're listening to The Odd Pod on TapDetroit.com. And we're talking veganism and vegetarianism and whether or not that there is a happy medium that we can get to. We will be right back. Enjoy this music. Now it's time for The Odd Pod's Patreon shout-out. Big thanks to Justin Burnside and Zaldor of Zaldor's World Podcast for becoming a patron. We hope you enjoy our long, uncut and girthy uh, episodes until you're fully satisfied and left shaking from laughter. For everyone else, you can join our Patreon too. Just head to patreon.com forward slash the odd pod. Become a patron and reap the benefits today. Along for 
doesn't matter the changes in the weather the rain come come the rain can come strike me back down if i curse the sun i just gonna move it with the thunderous drums look out i don't sums on the smuggest of bums he said she said the sheep get bled but at least they're fed i'm a monster playing piano inside i smash their little fingers with the power of god they're just stick up kids lifetime bids look at all that bullshit that they did Lump, lump, gonna humpy dump I'm gonna leave it in a letter while I spill my guts Lump, lump, gonna lively up And I'll be writing for you, honey, when your time is up Doesn't ask the rain while she's dancing now Little children are hungry and gonna die We'll have to answer in the final moment For that bad stuff that we've done Oh, oh. 
you tired of incense that stinks? Motor City Candleworks is Metro Detroit's number one source for premium handmade incense, as well as hand sanitizer and now massage oil, with a wide array of scents inspired by Michigan cities and attractions. You're sure to find a fragrance that'll keep your love of the mitten burning all year round. Head to MotorCityCandleworks.com and order yours today. And make sure you find them on Facebook, too, for all of their upcoming sales and events. Motor City Candleworks. Michigan handmade scents that just make sense. That smell. The kind of smelly smell. You fucking what? Just in. It seems the entire planet is being overtaken by a force unlike anything we've ever seen before. Its tentacles reach across the entire globe, from Beijing to Boston, from Moscow to Madrid. There seems to be no escaping its influence. It seems life as we know it will be forever changed now that the odd pod has arrived. To stay up to date on all developments, and we're urging that you stay informed. You can hear the latest information about the Odd Pod by searching for it on all major podcasting platforms. Remember, we can only be as safe as we are vigilant. All right, uh, this just in, just so you guys know, uh, Mr. Brown has put into the chat for all the listeners of the Odd Pod that the Motor City Candleworks is offering $5 shipping on all website orders. So that means no matter what you order, shipping is only $5. So that's a good incentive to order quite a bit of the good smelly stuff that Mr. Brown does. Motor City Candleworks is a Michigan-based independent business that uh, does hand-dipped incense. They do bath bombs. They do massage oil. Uh, go to MotorCityCandleworks.com. 
and place your order today. Now, in the chat room while we were talking, uh, Hootis and Mr. Brown were going back and forth about uh, organic and organic produce. Uh, Hootis had said all produce comes off the same truck at the grocery stores. Organic is just a sales word. And that is true. A lot of the, the stuff that we use to try to be healthier in our purchases at the the grocery store have been co-opted by big business as business buzzwords. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are organic or they are fresh or that the, the, the ingredients are all organic or whatnot. It's simply buzzwords that they've started putting on the packaging. Now, the FDA does exist and does try to hold some sort of accountability, but they really don't work that hard uh, trying to make sure that you know what is organic is actually organic. And this is something that I brought up with Nice Guy Mike earlier while we were watching the documentary. Who just did say, though, that I worked at a grocery store for nine years, and I know some secrets. You'll never see me buying organic unless it's something like Santa Cruz lemonade, or and that is solely because I like the pro- product, regardless of the organic labeling. Uh, Mr. Brown said, a friend of mine used to work at the produce terminal, and he was given the role of organic stickers, and he said every other case got a sticker. That doesn't mean that they were organic, that just means they were putting the sticker on them. Now, here's my big problem with organic uh, vegetables. And this is something that I, I went round and round with my ex-wife on, because my ex-wife was was big in the holistic uh, medicine, big into the organics, big into, you know, uh, all the, the new agey, hippy dippy stuff. And like, I bought into some of it. Don't get me wrong. I do believe that some of the stuff out there, there, you can better yourself by thinking smarter about what you're putting in. But my problem that I've always had with organic vegetables is this organic typically ends up meaning that they weren't grown in a, uh, grown in a factory or grown in a, a situation that is unnatural to how we grow produce great that means they don't have the pesticides they don't that means that they're they're not gmo crops where the 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 plant itself on a dna level has been genetically modified fucking wonderful sounds great right except for the fact of when you stop to realize that we still have factories and industry and everything else that pollutes our air when those chemicals go up into the air, they get mixed in with the clouds in the air. And what happens when it rains? Well, if these aren't vegetables are being grown in the quote-unquote natural way that they're supposed to be, they're in open-air environments in a plot of land. When that rainwater falls down on them, they are no longer organic because they have chemicals in them. So the whole organic movement, while in principle is noble i believe it is a misnomer because unless you put it in a greenhouse situation and you are in control of every single facet you will never have truly organic produce because again the rainwater that falls on them is polluted and i want to go one step further with that for a farm or business to state that they grow organically, you've got to go a little bit deeper than that. Technically, there's a rule that they have to be so far from any other farm or any other industry because you have pollinators, you have bees and butterflies, and if you are close to somebody... Cross-pollination. Cross-pollination. Like with our garden, I can tell you 110% positive 
that I grow all of my vegetables organically by the stuff that I put in my soil, by the stuff that I don't put in my soil. But my neighbor two houses down who sprays their grass with fertilizer and chemicals, if a bee is in their yard and pollinates their vegetables or flowers and then flies into my yard and pollinates my vegetables, they are technically no longer organic. I don't know about the rainwater. I want to say I think that's a little bit of a stretch. But, uh, to be honest, you can't grow something 110% organically. As much as I try, I could never tell you this is a pure organic tomato or cucumber because there's just too many variables. Well, and to be fair, you know, I I had uh, not considered the, the pollinators and whatnot, but the... It just stuck in my head. It was one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, they when it rains, Tucson was an eye-opening experience when I lived there. I, I got to say because, like, it doesn't rain there for very much, and when it does, it dumps football fields worth of water everywhere. But the thing that I noticed, and this is what helps solidify that that rainwater theory. Mm-hmm. When you get rained on and you're in, in Tucson or anywhere in Arizona, because, you know, what I'm about to say is prevalent for almost every home there, um, it smells like chlorine. Your skin feels slimy, like there's a film on it. And the reason for that is, is that the only water that is there to be sucked up is pool water. Okay? If the pool water and the chlorine can be sucked up through... um you know, evaporation and go up into the clouds and then get rained back down on you. To me, that stands to reason that again, like I said, the factories that are putting off, you know, Mm -hmm. toxic fumes or whatever, those are going up into the air. It stands to reason that that's going into the clouds as well. So then if, but with that theory, if you live on acreage or let's say up North or down in Tennessee to where you're away from the city, then all of that evaporation is coming from the vegetation, the woods, the trees. So that minimizes the chemical content that's going in. Somewhat, yes. But you still need to worry about who's next to you. Um, Good example. The front of my house from one side to the other is a strawberry patch. I had a guy come out and ask if he could sell us some fertilizer, and I was like, absolutely not. We don't fertilize our grass. We don't do anything. We got enough bullshit here, buddy. Yeah, and, um, you know, but my neighbors next to me and two houses down, you know, they have a a fertilizer company come out and spray. Um, When I catch them, I ask them, please do not spray in this direction. But with wind and stuff, I can't can't control the wind, and I do the best I can. So, you know, there's definitely between, you know, heirloom seeds and cross-pollinated seeds and different varieties you've got to watch it and even the dirt that you buy from these big box stores like home depot um they say they're selling organic dirt well dirt in its own is organic organic (laughs) you can't get more organic than dirt so you really um getting back to were we talking about that on the break or a few minutes ago we're half and half yeah so what i would suggest was when we went back on the air is if you see a company at the grocery stores, whether it's Kroger or Myers or wherever, that states that they are organic, 
I would look up that business online and see what type of business they are because a lot of times, in a lot of cases, these organic meat growing companies or vegetable companies are a subsidiary of said grocery store. It's just named so it can have separation. Yeah. And then that that's a big problem too is the transparency and where our food comes from. Yep. So let's go to someone who tried me to spend my summers working on an organic farm. Oh yeah, I remember that. And agreeing with a lot that was said, not so much, I'm not a scientist, we could look it up, when you have salt water and minerals and you put that in the water and you evaporate the water, the salt and the minerals stay, so I don't know about the chlorine getting evaporate, I'm not going to argue that, just like you had a little bit with the rain water, and discounting that as being organic, um... I was on a farm where a man didn't hasn't sprayed his land since he owned it, and whoever owned it before him hadn't sprayed his land. If um, I agree a hundred percent, we we did that theory. He's got eighty acres. The side eighty acres to him, nobody farms. The back behind him, nobody farms. The front, but to the side of him, somebody farms. They farm GMO, mm-hmm. and so again, I agree with that about. We say the same thing. A crow eats a seed over there, flies over Danny, over the over the organic farm's land, and defecates. Then he's contaminated the organic farm. No, I mean I wouldn't say that. I mean, well, the pollinators. I agree with you on the pollinators and the bee. There's supposedly nothing. There's supposedly no such thing as organic corn because it get it has gotten cross pollinated. Corn is corn is a completely different conversation corn cannot be organic because years ago 20 30 years ago there's a company called uh, monsanto's uh monsanto yeah monsanto and they were actually one of the companies that came up with roundup which a lot of the farmers were spraying roundup to kill the weeds so they could have um, plant their crops and it, it became so bad that it actually put a spike into cancer because of the chemicals that were going in it. And they created a strain of corn. Now, follow me here, and you can look this up online. You can, you can check it out. They created a strain, a strain of corn that is resistant to Roundup. So corn can never be, in my eyes, organic. I don't care where you... If you're using those seeds, those corn seeds... Corn can't cannot be. But if you're organic. not using those corn seeds, then you have organic <coughs> corn that is possibly still out there, according to some people who sell seeds. Again, buzzwords that people are are buying for for us to come back off a break, and for someone nine years ago say that they worked at uh, in produce at a grocery store and. This box got the label of organic and this box didn't. Man, I hope that was what was going on nine years. Nine years ago, nobody was looking for organic vegetables. Mm-hmm. Nobody thought about Some people buying were. organic vegetables. No, very, 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 very few, few because the movement hadn't very, gotten enough. Right. The movement of, of veganism and all is just is exponentially growing. And it's still super, super small. You have to but do, you or, have. organically grown, I agree with. If you're certi- to get certified for this farmer to get certified, 
the the things you got the hoops that you gotta jump through mm-hmm. are are unbelievable. So he goes with organically grown. I know for a fact that you lost the whole crop of potatoes because they weren't sprayed. I know for a fact that every corn, every piece of corn that comes off his farm, and again, I'm not technical on the... Every piece of corn has the bug on the top of it, whatever that bug is, whatever it's called. Every one, it's live food. Mm -hmm. it's, It's live food. It's not... That they spray it, they do it out my house in the springtime. They spray a field. Everything's green. The field looks like fall time. Then they put down their seeds of either soy, corn, or sugar beets. Those right. are and, the three. Those are the three crops, and they wrote they rotate them tiny, tiny bit. One year it's the so one year it's the corn, then it, it's and and yeah. the only thing that will grow are their seeds because of the roundup and about what you said about mm-hmm. the corn, which uh, which I agree. Well, who I does? Would, I would trust a a company or a farmer that used the words organically grown, meaning that they at least try to put the effort in it. Than stating, oh, this is organic, this is healthy for yeah. you, because like I said, that is a, 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 a sales ploy. Now, uh, Hootis in the chat wanted to point out that some things evaporate and some things don't, talking about the rainwater. And he did say, though, that remember, acid rain does exist. Now, I, this I agree. This comes from a website called EcoWatch. And, of course, you take it with a grain of salt because we don't have time to, to vet it. But the research from the National Atmospheric De- Deposition Program, which works with the Department of the Interior's U.S. Geological Survey, found that toxic forever chemicals uh, per and polyfurca alkalide. Uh, my mouth didn't want to say that one. Substances present uh, are present in rainwater samples from across the country. The substances are dubbed forever chemicals because they do not degrade in the environment. Exposure to PFAS has been linked to various ailments, including cancers in humans and animals, especially in the kidneys and testicles. They have also been linked to thyroid disease, weakened immune system, and other diseases, as NBC News reported. While more than 4,700 variants of toxic forever chemicals have been identified, the EPA only regulates two of them, PFOs and PFOA. Uh, the chemicals are common in everyday items like insulation, food packaging, carpeting, cookware, and firefighting foam. There are folks not too long ago who felt the atmospheric transport route was not too important, said Martin Schaefer, principal researcher with the uh, NADP at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. As the, the Guardian reported, the data belies that statement. So basically, it's more affirming to there is shit that comes down in our rainwater that is not safe for us. 1970, you weren't... 1970, acid rain, all the things that... Yeah, I'm not... Dis, but compare acid rain to a crop that's genetically modified that any anything, any weed will not grow... But those tomatoes will grow, but the weeds will not grow. So that's the only way they can make these tomatoes as cheap as they are. Because at the Eastern Market, again, you want to get a crate of those tomatoes, you can get a whole crate for $8. It came out to like, I did the math, it came out to like $0.30 a pound. And we're charging 
For heirlooms at Eastern Market, $3 a pound, 10 times as much. Well, and see, that's, but and that brings that's up a, a good point. Less than whole, than whole but that brings up a good point, too, is you know, you, you wonder why a lot of people haven't come around yet. It was brought up in the documentary that we watched. Think about it. In more affluent communities, there is a, a easier and more accessible amount of grocery stores to go to as opposed to your poorer communities. There are less grocery stores. They, they stated it in the documentary. They showed the numbers when we were sitting there watching it. That is one thing. What, when we originally talked about having you come out and do a show, this was a couple of months ago, okay? When we originally talked about it, what was the plan? We were going to come out because I, I have made the switch to more vegan meals and whatnot. Yeah, we were going to eat vegan meal we before were, the show. Right. And we had intended to still uphold that. Unfortunately... This is a lean month for us due to some things that happened uh, last month and the month before, which means we have to take the money that we have for groceries. We, I, I, we spend about $200 uh, for groceries at a time, and that has to get us two weeks at a time. Okay. Now, the problem is, is $200, if you're smart about it, can stretch to two weeks, but you can't buy organic. You can't buy anything healthy. It, it it won't stretch that far. And Plus, if you look at the grocery stores, the section for organic food is so much smaller, it almost gets lost because right now the the demand is not there. The demand is right. there to a point because people are screaming, hey, we want healthier food. But for most people, it's easier to walk in and grab that $1.99 two-pound thing of burger than it would be for a seven dollar a pound which which was funny to me because there are stores going to be something about possibly about like eating meat and not eating meat and now it's almost gone into what's organic and what's not well no it's just which was a no it was a a passion of mine because i get into i get it i get into veganism then i get out of this bar situation because i don't want to serve it's not that i don't it's not like I can't watch people eat chicken wings. You it's just don't like, want to feel responsible. I, I, it wasn't even about being responsible. I wanted to do something different and better than slepping elk. You know, it doesn't matter if I serve the Jack Daniels. They're still going to go to get their Jack Daniels. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if I'm contributing to someone, they're going to. I'm not going to stop them unless someone came to me and said, "Hey, you know what? I hear you haven't. You stopped drinking when you were 19. So you, what did okay. you do? Let's get and away then, from the the idea of the organics then and just talk no, about no, veganism. I, I like the, no. I, no I, Hold on. And the veganism and vegetarianism. We'll go veganism just because look, that, look, that's the main thing. One, the problem one, one is second, it's not cost-effective for people like me who are low-income. We so, can't, so we stay, can't get two weeks' worth of food that way. Because it's not cost-effective from what we watched in the documentary to raise chickens and cows the way that guy on that farm was trying to say he could raise them mm-hmm. and that they could humanely why? be slaughtered and all that baloney because you can you say can't bullshit do it in, in that it, well i won't the, the the turkey that he described if you're going to have a turkey for thanksgiving then you want to have this this turkey um because that 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 that's the vegan thing but the organics is huge to me because 
I was ready to put my life into into this farm where I know a guy who can't make money. He can't make money doing it. He, he, he lose a whole whole crop of the best potatoes you ever tasted in your life. And there's a huge difference from a little bit of acid rain or chlorine rain or bees cross pollinating than eating food that's genetically modified that your body doesn't know how to doesn't even know how to break it down. So so first of all, have you ever heard of 10 years ago, have you ever heard of gluten? Did you know anybody that couldn't eat gluten unless you had celiac, which is a very rare thing. Now it's because of the way that they grow wheat now. It is not the wheat, just like you said about the corn. It's not the corn. 30 years ago, Monsanto did what they, they did the same thing with wheat. It will grow. It will grow in Roundup at, in Roundup soil. The soil's contaminated, and that's no weeds will grow. They don't have to worry about it. We lose all the onions because we couldn't weed them. The weeds take over, and the onions die. So the wheat, that's the problem. That's why the bees are dying, because it... What they're doing, what what's in the Roundup, gets the digestive system of the bee, and that's what's killing the bee. And then slowly, just like we talked about a lot of things, starting smoking. I'm 56, and if I started smoking right now, it's not going to kill me. Uh, you know, that's not what's going to kill me. And drinking, it, it takes a long, long time, and it's taken a long time with this new food system that they developed about 30. 40 years ago when they started going huge on big farms it was supposed to be again i don't do politics and but nixon he said get big or get out and that's what got all the little farmers where you can't be a little farmer you can't be you can't i can't buy 50 acres let's see if it go even bigger 300 acres in tennessee and raise grass-fed cows yes you can it's not sustainable it is it is not it sustainable is. it is i wouldn't be able but to make the, money here, i no, wouldn't be able well, there's to there's the thing there's the thing it is sustainable you can be sustainable on 10 acres you can actually be sustainable if you're a vegetarian but america um, can't eat that way let's not talk about america no right let's now. talk about america but, because the food system that we have is screwed mm-hmm. up from the factory farming in order that. to fix it the better way to fix it is to not eat meat but let's talk about you let's talk about you all right so you say it's not sustainable you can grow enough food on one acre to be able to last you a year Agreed. All right. But you just said that on 50 acres, you couldn't. Now, as far as I said making on 300 money, acres, I couldn't raise grass-fed cattle and sell that meat to and make money. I couldn't do it. You want to know why? I want to tell you right now. A, because you're not, you're not big agriculture, and the government, you're not in the government's pocket, or vice versa. Because here's the thing. A few years ago, when I was raising chickens, I raised meat birds, all right, looked into it, and I was raising them for myself, organically. I was paying the pumped up prices for organic feed, and I did research for the feed stores to know which ones. I was getting true organic feeds. They were raised on grass in what's called a chicken tractor, so they were moved every day, so they were on fresh grass. They weren't... They weren't sitting in their poop for days and days and days. Um, They were getting the grass. They were getting the bugs. They were getting the feed as a supplement. 
They weren't cage-free because they had a little area that that's all they had to move in. I didn't say cage-free. I know, I'm just saying. I did not say cage-free. I'm just saying how fair that is to that chicken but to live their life that way. it's actually pretty fair because they, they had plenty of room. <laughs> but the problem is, for me, to try to make money, and I, I broke it down, it cost me around $4 a pound because of the amount of feed I had to I had to buy to supplement because they need that feed to be able to grow. So it came out to be about $4 a pound to have them butchered to be able to sell them you have to have the USDA stamp on them. Now there's there's workarounds. We're not going to get into that. But in order to do that, you would have to take you have to take them to a USDA facility who charge you anywhere from five to seven dollars and fifty cents a bird to slaughter that bird. All right, because you can't do it on your own and sell it because that's against government regulations. So now you're automatically looking at one bird per pound. Roughly around six to seven dollars a pound, maybe even eight dollars. I'm trying to do the math in my head real quick. So that's why it is so much more expensive. Now, if you are a farm that can sell organic chicken, you have to have a two hundred thousand dollar facility per the USDA, and they have to come out and inspect it, and you have to buy all the licenses. So the government's got you coming and going. Now, there's workarounds. I've learned the workarounds, but I no longer raise the chickens just because it's time and money and not having enough space. But on one acre, you for sure if I, can do that. That wasn't the, the... I One, me, me, all the three of us could move to a farm and we could sustain ourselves eating mm-hmm. meat and, and raising a cow and slaughtering it and making it through the whole winter eating steaks and burger. I, I said America can't eat like that. It's not sustainable for the world, for 8 billion people to eat that way. It cannot be done. That's why they're why we factory farm now. Now, a statistics and things that I don't believe in, but there's statistics that say there's enough farmland in America, just in the United States of America, to feed 10 billion people if we didn't feed the food to the to the animals. And there's only 8 billion in the world. So everyone could eat. No one would be hungry if we ate lettuce, tomatoes, cucumbers, beans, legumes. But, nobody, but we're not going to do that because people flat out, our generation... There, some people like me somehow, like I say, I got, I was awakened. We started to go into why I did it. We started to go into because of the health, mm-hmm. and then compassion for animals, and then it's not right now. My diet is not healthy. There's Amish people who eat their animals and grow their vegetables. And eat their cows and eat the fat. And like the people in Tennessee, like I said, you're saying they don't. They drink raw milk. They don't strain it. I've seen them drink it right from the jar. Mm-hmm. They drink it right from the jar. All They want the bacteria. They want all that because they're into fermenting and stuff like that. Which of being a vegan, I could want to get into more. You should so, because fermenting is, a lot is, of stuff is, is, great. is great. I mean, is, we've is got scobies growing at our home. We've got mothers and... Okay, we got to go to break. Um, 
we will be right back. You guys are going to get The Rumors Want Ya, The Lonely One's Real Big Trouble, and Snatch the Snail. She doesn't even know you're listening to The Odd Pod on Tap Detroit. Stay with us. We've got more, whether you want it or not. Thanks for checking out The Odd Pod. If you want to hear the whole show, consider becoming a patron of our Patreon. Head to patreon.com forward slash the odd pod. We're also all over social media like an STI that won't wash off. Head to tapdetroit.com forward slash the odd pod to follow us today. We're already following you, and you forgot to buy milk.